You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will be looking at two eras of Tim Drake. One will be the classic 90s 2000 Tim Drake Robin and Red Robin series, while the second will be taking a look at Tim Drake and the current era of DC Comics Rebirth and Beyond, most notably Detective Comics or whatever books Tim appears in that month. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. <laughs> Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. This podcast is also a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network. You can find them at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com, and that's a sister site to BatmanOnFilm.com. So thanks to Bill Jet Ramey and the guys over there and our guest at most frequently Ryan Haas for hooking us up to be a part of that as well. You can get a hold of us in a couple ways. Uh, one is through facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. We are also on Twitter at ELTD podcast. You can also email the show. And if you do, we'll read your emails on the air. You can email us at Robin ELTD podcast at yahoo.com. And our newest endeavor is over at YouTube in the search engine. Just type in Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. And if we can get up to a hundred subscribers and over, uh, we can officially have a URL that you could uh, uh, look us up much easier. But again, in the search engine, you can just look up Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake podcast. And uh, Terrence and uh, me uh, sporadically have been putting up new content. Um, I'm doing a plug-in or an edit, if you will, into this episode. This is episode 43. And initially when we started uh, recording this, this was going to be episode 44. And what you're going to hear is Terrence and I's interview with with uh, a YouTube channel. It's uh, Robin the Web Series, and Dustin over at the BatmanUniverse.net sent me uh, their very first episode of this and said, hey, this might be something you guys might be interested in. And Terrence ended up posting uh, the series on our Robin Everyone Loves the Drake Facebook page. And uh, Terrence said, hey, this would be really cool if we could get a chance to uh, interview the team of the web series. And they have a couple episodes up already. Uh, this was recorded a couple weeks ago in the early part of uh, August. So we've been editing things. And this was originally going to be episode 44. Uh, but the interview uh, just went so well. And you'll be able to hear from the creative team of this web series uh, that uh, we had to bump it up. Uh, an episode. So uh, this will be episode 43. And what you're going to hear is Terrence and I's conversation uh, with the cast, uh, with most of the principal cast of the Robin web series. And uh, you can find them at purple bat productions on YouTube, or you can just type in Robin, the web series, and they have three episodes or excuse me, two episodes up currently at the time of recording this episode, they had lost their uh, Tim Drake uh, actor that was playing in the web series. And he was doing really good um, at it and went to go on for uh, further endeavors, as you'll hear them talk about. But at the time we were recording it, they hadn't cast their new Tim Drake. Well, they recently have. So Nick Gray uh, is the new Robin the Boy Wonder, and they announced it on August 23rd. So I believe he has a quick little uh, shot in one of their newest uh, videos that went up. It uh, went up four days ago at the time I'm recording this. It says, Tim Drake Robin's Fantasy. It's about 33 seconds, so you get a see uh, him portraying Tim Drake. So without further ado, uh, let's get into the episode that Terrence and I recorded. And like I said, I cut out my uh, normal intro so I could do this. So it's going to pick up right as Terrence is getting ready to uh, introduce them. So let's uh, kick it over to Terrence and myself and the team, the wonderful team from Robin the Web Series. Here we go. It's more than just a city. Thank you. 
Gotham is my home. There's not a single civilian I wouldn't take a bullet for. Can you say the same? It's not vengeance. It's justice. My name is Tim Drake, but you can call me Robin. Yeah, I just found out a couple days ago. I saw, um, um, and I guess I'll let you introduce everybody in a minute, but one of our guests had posted on um, a Robin um, fan site the link to the, the website and their GoFundMe page, which we'll go over in a little bit, and I clicked on it and started watching it, and I thought it was awesome. It, it was like the characters had stepped right out of the comics and were were you know being filmed live, um, and so immediately started to you know send messages saying, "No, I really like this. Would you guys come on our show?" And Bing Bang Boom, and and here it is. So it's pretty awesome. So thanks guys for being on tonight. Uh, why don't we go ahead and let's uh, – we'll have you guys introduce yourselves. I'm notorious for mispronouncing names. I want to make sure everybody gets to hear uh, you guys uh, correctly. This is from uh, the Robin Web TV series that you guys have going on. It's the You can find uh, them over at Robin Web TV series on Twitter. And uh, uh, go ahead and introduce you guys uh, selves if you would. I'm Cayman. I'm the uh, director and lead writer. My name is Mika. I play Spoiler, and I'm also the executive producer and the stunt coordinator. I'm Shannon. I'm the marketing director and one of the writers. Thank you guys for being on Everyone Loves the Drake. And I feel like the uh, – I think Terrence and I can uh, both uh, vouch for this – that I feel like the, Tim Drake has kind of gotten lost for – uh, a little bit, and to see that there's this web uh, TV series going on that is focusing on the Tim Drake universe or his time uh, as Robin was just something that had me grinning ear to ear uh, watching the uh, two episodes. So I kind of wanted to ask where where this started and why did you choose Tim Drake? You know, Damien's currently the current Robin at the moment. It may be kind of hard to pull off a show with a 13 year old kid, but uh, just kind of what, what started the the ball rolling for you and where, where did the, you know, seeds first uh, get started to, uh, to bring the show to life? Uh, so it's a bit of an interesting story because we kind of have a large group of people who are very passionate about the character uh, the initial inception kind of being with uh, me, Mika, and we did have a other member with us who has currently uh, left the area and left our little group to go on and do certain things. And uh, he's having a lot of fun, which we're really happy for him. But we also have a huge crew of people who love the character, and we can't stop playing the character. So uh, we've all had a bit of fun delving more and deeper into this character, which is super fun for us. And what's really interesting, as you're saying, he's, you know, he's not brought up too often. Well, we, we actually just got done having a writer's meeting, and uh, one of the really good moments that happened was we, we all we all thoroughly enjoying writing for this character, but we have a moment where I'm like, okay, well, thematically, I, I need this to happen, or this might need to happen with the character. And Mika, who, God, I mean, she just delves so <laughs> into him so much, so often, she turns to me, and she's like, she's like, well, you know, there was this moment in the comics where Tim does it, and she takes it from a different <laughs> angle. And I'm like, you know, I'm really glad we have you here, because it is so great having someone pull in, like, exactly what the character means, exactly what they need to be. Uh, and Mika's phenomenal at that, honestly. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of the Chuck Dixon uh, Robin comics and War Games and Identity Crisis and a lot of things that just really highlight Tim's character. And I feel like he's so amazing. And a lot of times, um, Dick Grayson is always the Robin that people choose to highlight. And uh, I just, I felt like the world needed some Tim love. <laughs> yeah. And uh... No, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I mean, he's getting, we're, we're, we're loving him a lot. The three of us are, we keep, we keep having, uh, there's some, a moment where actually I recently, 
uh, me and Shannon were going on a scene that she's actually about to go do, and I, I wrote I wrote a word out on the paper, and I was like, shower scene. And we were like, well, <laughs> we love this character that much. That's funny. We just talked about in our previous episode that there was a shower scene coming up that uh, somebody wrote into the comics of wanting to see, quote-unquote, more of Tim Drake. And uh, <laughs> I was like, wow, we just literally had that discussion about an hour ago. <laughs> Yeah, fantastic. So uh, I always tease Rob because Rob uh, and I are about the same age, uh, but I was into comics before Tim Drake. So I was there right from kind of day one with Tim Drake, where Rob didn't get into it till a little bit later. And and, um, death, um, sorry, uh, Lonely Place of Dying. Yeah. So uh, my my question, I just each of you, where where did you, if you remember, first hear about Tim Drake or what first got you into Tim Drake? and, And where did where did it? Was there a moment where you started to become a Tim Drake fan? Um, I like the the Batman comics, and when Batman and Robin, after Todd uh, left, just the way that Tim finds out about Batman's identity, I think, just kind of always makes him stand out in my mind. And uh, from there, of course, his run with Spoiler is amazing. I feel like I've just loved Tim from the beginning. But I remember, uh, I, of course, didn't really grow up in that era. I am not quite old enough to have (laughs) have loved him during the right time. But uh, I think the first Batman comic I remember reading uh, as far as Tim goes, is War Games, and then I went back and found all the Dixon comics and started reading them from Batman and Robin. Oh, and the ninth run of the Dixon comics are definitely it's my favorite. Oh yeah. Yeah. I actually um, I started out reading DC comics when I was a, a kid in the in the eighties and the nineties, but my brother was who I got all my comics from, so they were actually Superman comics. So I didn't actually get into Batman comics particularly until adulthood. And so I actually, Robin-wise, I was actually a Nightwing, Dick Grayson kind of fan. And then this show is actually what led me to being more into Tim Drake. And I've been diving into the comics since I've been writing and helping out with the show. And I fell in love with him. I never knew that he was such a great character until I started working on the show. And I, uh, I probably have a really weird one as well. And this one, my, uh, my Tim Drake was Batman Animated Series. Because whenever they did the change, yeah. it's Tim. Yeah, and so for me... What was really strange about it is like growing up I was aware of Tim Drake and I liked him as a character from what I had seen of course in the animated series but the way I recognized Tim Drake of course was from his R and it was just it was a it was a significantly different R and like you saw that R and you're like oh okay that's the Tim Drake R and that that's kind of what stuck with me for a while and then it wasn't until I learned that I did learn on Red Robin a little bit and then of course getting back onto the project being like oh wow you know Tim's really just been such a huge variation of some of the best Robins we've seen, oh, yeah. and and of course not even fully credited to that account. I mean, of course, I you know was a big Teen Titans fan, but I didn't know that right. was the... okay. So right. Teen Titans, Teen Titans is technically Dick Grayson, but like that personality is one hundred percent Tim Drake, which For sure. <laughs> kills me. Yeah, yeah. And, and costume, yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff, and both stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's that's wow. one of the things that we comment on on the show uh, quite a bit is that they found this perfect costume and you can go look at all the 90s comics and any character that you was created in the 90s their costumes were so overdone and pouches and straps and you know all this stuff but they found this perfect line of this costume for you know the pixie boots are gone and the short shorts are gone and it it seems Tim's costume is very much Robin. You look at it and go, well, it looks like it's kind of supposed to be Robin. It screams Robin. It feels like Robin. And you would go, yeah, this just, it looks perfect. And that costume translated itself into the animated series. And then, you know, Batman Forever, you know, adapted that costume. And it just felt like this natural progression of like, this probably should have been the costume he should have wore all the time. Oh, it's man. practical, and, yeah. And the moment in the comics when he first puts on the costume, whenever he has to make the choice, yeah. when Batman tells him, like, if you put it on before you're ready, you may never be Robin. And he does, like, that's just such a cool story. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And, I mean, great reveal on it, too. That, that yeah. costume is really practical. Right. And, like, it's it's honestly even even aesthetically more pleasing in some ways. And I thought I thought it was a great direction for them to go when I found out that's how they introduced it. I was like, wow, this this was introduced so early on, and it's a really great design for that costume. Like, yeah, pretty pretty awesome. Uh, speaking of costumes, uh, you mentioned uh, the R. I'm looking at your Twitter page at the moment, and I'm noticing uh, that I've said this before on our show that inside of the R for Robin, it looks like you can see a little bit of a bird's head, and I'm really seeing it uh, pronounced here. So, speaking in costumes, uh, what was the 
the story or how did you guys start building your costumes from from the ground up? What were the things that you wanted? Where did you take your your influences from? You know, how long from uh, conception till the time where you had a, a working uh, suit? You know, where what type of things went into those? Um, it varies for each suit. Uh, for for most of them, we just took uh, of course time looking through some of our favorite designs. Like for the Batman suit, we really like the Arkham City games and kind of these more armored look. Um, a little bit more than just the spandex. So we, we just kind of looked through our favorite like versions of the suits. Uh, for the Robin suit, we had a team of costumers work on that, and it took them uh, a few months to make. And for the spoiler suit, from conception to actually wearing a costume was two days <laughs> because I wanted to have it done in time for a Comic-Con because I wanted to wear it really badly because she <laughs> is amazing and one of my favorite characters. And I was so excited about this role that I was like, hey, I don't even need the costumers to make it. I'll make it myself. So we designed it and then went out and got fabric, and the next day... It was done, uh, but for the most part, just looking through designs and kind of picking and choosing like parts that we like from certain uh, costumes. And of course, we always want to throw back to the color scheme that Robin goes with. So actually, we're we're thinking about taking it back a little bit more to that red and green instead of red and black. So nice back to the original. And definitely quite a bit of work there still with stuff that we have. Yeah, yeah, we're actually we're re- working on a redesign for a new Batman costume. Um, we're working on a new Nightwing one and possibly a new Robin. We don't want to give too much away, so we'll have to let people tune in and see what we come up with. Cool. I mean, the costumes look fantastic, uh, especially the spoiler outfit looks looks really good and I I always liked the spoiler and thought she should have like her own like CW type show because She's not, you know, going from the story, she's not a multimillionaire. She's not, you know, part of some huge government, you know, team. She's, yeah. you know, a kid who's building the suit on her own to go out to initially stop her dad and then fight crime. Uh, but it also needs to look cool. And you guys, I think, really found that that balance. And it, I, the spoiler suit looks awesome. Thank you. Yeah, uh, you know, really great about that is, and, you know, saying on the new, like, CW show sense of it, like, there really is a, a fun sense of getting to write a character, and of course, because I'm frequently getting into her now, which is fantastic. She kind of has this great, like, rebellious, like, hey, like, I started from almost what would be considered the average Gotham knight, you know, the, the average person from Gotham to live in Gotham and have a father who's involved what he's involved in and getting all these crazy things. And yet at the same time, she is just such a normal citizen of Gotham who stands up and does the right thing, if anything. If anything, the character who Batman, you know, who she does clash with frequently uh, philosophically, is such a huge inspiration. And if God, if Batman's dream were to come true, it's Stephanie Brown because the idea is that he's inspiring an average citizen of Gotham to do the right thing. And Stephanie Brown is that average citizen stepping up and doing the right thing and not failing where, say, Harvey Dent did. Cool. Yeah. And um, I, I watched the web series a couple times, loved it. I watched it with my 11 year old daughter. She, she loved it. Uh, but she she wanted me to ask you two questions when I told you that, that, that I was going to talk to um, some people from the show. And her first question was, have you gotten any strange looks while filming? <laughs> <laughs> Mad Hatter scene with the van open, the creepy van that's open, and we have all of these people behind it. We have like this little shop set up in the back of the van full of all these weird light, like head headbands that like light up and flash. Uh, mm-hmm. The cops came by and they were like, "Uh, can we help? Like, are, are you guys doing something?" We're like, "Yeah, we're we're just filming the kidnapping of people. We're not really." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they proceeded to ask if we needed extras. <laughs> oh, cool. But we do get a lot of looks. Uh, there was one time when we were going downtown for a photo shoot, and we were walking, and it was uh, Spoiler and Robin, myself and Robin, we were walking down the road, and it was just us and the photographer, and somebody was like, what are you guys doing? And without missing a beat, Robin turns to them and says, justice, and keeps walking. <laughs> <laughs> cool. The, my, my daughter's other question for you, and then I'll let Rob, you can ask a question, is uh, she wanted to know, how do you guys get on top of the roofs? Because you were on a few scenes where you were up on rooftops. Just, how, how did you do that? So did you have like special permission, or do you have to sneak up, or how does that work? So so b- before I get into that, i got to say, um, your daughter very smart. She's asking some of the yes, best questions. Yes, she is. Future <laughs> filmmaker, because, let me, because the if, thing if is. If she wants a job, we're yeah. going to ask it. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, so, it's so great, because like, you know, people see this, and, and rarely do they ask the question of, like, wonder if they're getting any weird looks, which is good because that means they bought the setting. Uh, but if they think about it, they're like, oh, yeah, that's y'all might have gotten some weird looks doing that. But as far as the rooftops go, because that's another big one, uh, we don't have, let's say, full permission. Well, so <laughs> <far>. <laughs> yeah, 
film anywhere. Yeah, it's, yeah. Legal, it's legal to film anywhere, thankfully, and we don't have any issue with it because we're not, like, we're definitely not breaking any laws by doing it. Texas is really cool about that. Austin's really cool about that. But we go when it seems most suitable for everyone. We don't like to go with, say, like, a middle of daytime traffic. That's obviously not going to be great for anyone. We try to make it, like, late night shoots, early morning shoots, make sure we're not in anyone's way. We go up to, say, like, a parking garage, which... That's the other thing. Parking garage, you can make a parking garage look like anything. There is so much you can do with cameras and cam- you know, camera angles. And if you find a place that looks like a little bit higher off the ground, well, you shoot a little higher off the ground. You know, you, you make it work in a lot of different ways. Uh, but most of the time, Texas filmmakers are, ask permission later, do now. Yeah. We have the ability to say, because I'm Batman, at the end of things we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have to worry about that. We're like, I'm sorry, Gotham needs us. Yeah. yeah. I always found that in the uh, bands that I was playing in from time to time out of high school, we would say, wouldn't it be really cool if we could stand on top of the Marathon building? So we would find a way into the building, and it was like, well, let's just do it, and then we'll go, oh, we didn't know we couldn't be up there. Okay, thanks, thanks. We we, we know for next time. (laughs) It's better to be... Don't play a band music up here. (laughs) Oh, sorry, my bad. Didn't know we couldn't do it. (laughs) That's the reason that they put that sign up there. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, my English is bad. I have a hard time reading signs. <laughs> uh, something I did want to ask, since there is a Stephanie Brown uh, in the show, it, is there a chance to see Stephanie Brown grow into another role that maybe sh- she took in War Games for a little bit? give anything away, uh, but my heart is exploding, because as, as you can probably tell, I'm a little obsessed with these characters. So, <laughs> I, I love that arc, and I love that story, and you will definitely see a lot of character growth between both Tim and Steph. A lot of a lot of things will be happening. Uh, something I did want to ask, uh, you did mention that you lost somebody from the cast, and unfortunately it sounds like you lost a big part uh, of the cast. Are, are you... Uh, two questions. Uh, how far into the series are you uh, losing one of your lead actors, and uh, are you still going through? I saw recently you had uh, like a, a, an open casting uh, call for people, so I just kind of wonder like where that was, and maybe what that loss did to the did to the show. Uh, well, it's kind of interesting. So I would say, in some ways, like in the early stages, and then, of course, in certain ways in the later stages. I mean, you can never fully uh, dictate when someone leaves a project. And, and of course, someone who obviously was our Robin leaves a project. In some way, you know, they're a member of the cast, and a member of the cast is a member of the cast and will always influence and affect our show in some way, spirit and heart, you know, in the best way possible. But, of course, in other ways, I mean, something isn't done until it's done. And what we, you know, you come to learn that when you're doing a web series the way we're doing it and how much time and dedication you put into doing this kind of a web series. Uh, As far as certain planning goes, we've definitely taken a look at it from different perspectives because one of the cool things about this kind of character and about the series that DC has put out is there's a lot of angles for the Bat family. And it's kind of one of those moments of you're scared to run until you're forced to run. And we had a moment where we were like, oh, you know what, like, this might be a really hard thing to transition from. Is this going to be a difficult thing? And we took it from the angle of, this actually might be a really great way to introduce more characters and give a lot of love into Robin's, you know, world that wasn't done before. Uh, we're toying around with some really creative ways to introduce some characters. And I know for a fact anyone out there who knows Tim Drake knows that his friends aren't exactly average. Oh. <laughs> so, so, you know, well, we definitely got a lot of stuff brewing. And in some ways, uh, you know, one door closes a window somewhere tiny in another universe opens and uh, we're definitely seeing that window open in a lot of different ways and honestly it makes the project just a little bit more exciting every day. Yeah and we do have our auditions coming up Tuesday. We've had some really promising submissions. We can't we cannot wait to meet our next boy wonder. Oh yeah that's right that's right. Our Excellent. new Timmy. Awesome. We have to be shooting in our auditions it's I had a question for you about your Gotham City, because, uh, as you said, you're filming this in Austin, and I've been lucky enough to go to Austin once and loved it. It was an awesome, awesome city. Uh, but it doesn't look like any other of the, of the Gotham cities from the movie. And at first I was a little like, oh, this is different. But then it, it really, about halfway through, grew on me. And, you know, the Chuck Dixon run of Tim Drake, he's more in the suburbs. It's more of like an open 
feel and I, I definitely I'm, I'm digging the way Gotham looks in, in the web series as opposed to like you can tell it's in a studio like the first Batman 89 or something where you can see the roof above their heads uh, so my question was was there any trepidation that Austin might not um, double for Gotham or um, how, how have you worked that? It was Cinderella crystal shoe fitting perfectly uh, I really was shocked when I because obviously like when it comes to writing Batman, and and I've written a lot of original pieces in my time. This is one of the first times I've taken the mantle of uh, a character that's already pre-existed. And when I did, of course, the first thing you have when you when you have you know Batman and Robin is Gotham. You got to have Gotham be a character. It's it's huge to to everything you tell in your story, which is why in the prologue you see the little sequence with the roach going around on the streets because. When I think of Gotham, I think of something that is plain as day in what it is and what you see in front of you. It doesn't try to be anything else. When you go to Gotham, Gotham doesn't put on a tuxedo and go, oh, look at me, we're a snazzy city. No, Gotham is, it, it is what it is. You see the weird. Austin is weird, and you see the weird in Austin. And everything just kind of started to fall into place the more I started to create Austin to be Gotham, or as I like to call it, Gostin. Hey, <laughs> nice. Oh, whatever. That's not, there. But one of you know, there's there's actually a tower here called Frost Bank. Frost Bank looks like Wayne Enterprise, mm-hmm. without a doubt. It is so exactly what Austin to Gotham's ratio in my head is, which is this concept of like in the central of Austin downtown. It's a very small area, but the buildings are rich, big, and you know they say a lot. And I feel like in Gotham, you have that sense of the people who win and the people who survive. And the people who survive are like the French Revolution. They outweigh those who win. And it is very obvious in Gotham. And I feel like it's that way sometimes in Austin, too, with what you see and what you get. Uh, So it was perfect. I I love choosing it. And all the shots you see are just more love for turning Austin into Gotham. And did you, because um, when I first saw it and I saw some of the overhead shots, I'm like, did they rent a helicopter? But then I'm like, I, that can't be. Was that a drone that you used to get those overheads? Uh, that was a drone we sent through. We had a, a great guy, uh, Austin, actually. That's yeah, his name. Um, great guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he pulled out a drone and he, oh, beautiful shots, beautiful shots came out of that. They're actually initially in 4K, uh, but of course, resolution-wise, everything else we shoot isn't in full 4K. Hey, maybe one day, you know, we're hoping. Uh, so we do actually have to scale the resolution on those shots down sometimes, uh, but they're even more beautiful than you see. It's, I mean, they're they're fantastic and gorgeous, and nothing is as great as having your actors run across a rooftop while the drone follows them, and you're looking at it, and you're like, huh, Lord of the Rings, urban. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it looks fantastic. I mean, my first thought, I saw the first shot, like it was an establishing shot of Austin, and I thought, no offense, I thought you probably took it from somewhere else. It, it looks so good. <laughs> And then, and then when I saw the the characters, and there's this one scene of like Tim and Stephanie up on the roof together, where and I was like, wow, how did they do this? Um, and then you know, it, it looked like it was you know a professional helicopter, but it's pretty amazing. There's there's another scene too that I wanted to ask you about the setting. Um, Stephanie Brown's character when she first puts on. Uh, the Mad Hatter's um, evil headband there. She's in like this area where there's a lot of graffiti, and that looks really cool. What area was that, and was that uh, was that a safe place to film in? Because it looked a little dangerous. <laughs> there's actually a place here in Austin that uh, filmmakers and photographers both love to use a lot, and it, that's what it is. It's a park that's covered with graffiti. It's absolutely safe. There's almost always people there taking pictures or filming something. Food trucks. So food trucks are there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 100% awesome. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, so, but, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful place that creates amazing backgrounds, and it's always different. Always <laughs> different, because there's always people. I mean, it's encouraged to go and change what the setting is with the graffiti that you put there. That sounds yeah, really cool. Oh, a great place to shoot as well. We actually, yeah. and, you know, it's great. It's, it's so lively. There's people there in the background for your extras already. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All good on all ends. Oh, one of my favorite shots, two shots. Um, one was the uh, van uh, shot with you know the Mad Hatter, and I kept noticing. I thought it was probably there for uh, us fans. I saw a little plush uh, Robin uh, figure yeah. t- tucked away down in there, and I was like, oh, how cool! You know, the Mad Hatter's a fan of Robin. <laughs> <laughs> I have that Easter egg without a doubt. It feels it feels great doing that kind of stuff too, because you you hope someone sees it and yeah. it's like, oh, cool. Cause, that's actually, we keep that little mascot around when our first auditions were around. Yeah. We had that mascot 
And, you know, you'd see it on our little table during our cold reads for the episode, so. At con. At con, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's been a lot of places with us. Yep. A shot that I really liked is, I believe it's in the uh, prologue, where uh, Robin is fighting the thugs, and then it's probably from a drone, too, but it goes up over the top of his head. It's just this real long, uh, narrow shot of him taking on the thugs. And the color has this beautiful yellow uh, looks like overlay, which I'm assuming that's probably from the street lights, or maybe it was kind of doctored a little bit, but it looked like it came straight out of a panel. I freeze framed it for a second. I thought that's that's a panel right out right out of a comic book. Everything is black to the left and the right. You just got this long, uh, narrow yeah. uh, shot. It's just a, a beautiful shot. I loved it. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting. So you know, and thank God we had that drone. That that partially had already been written into the alleyway of an overhead shot because. When, I was, when you think about it, and again, this was taking up the mantle of a pre-existing character, a comic character nonetheless, and going into it, that's, that's something I continuously try to make sure is within the script, is when we see a shot of a certain sequence, I want it as best as possible to be that comic panel, to be the moment of like, oh yeah, like I've, I've seen when that action takes place in that exact framing. Uh, as far as the yellow tint goes and some of the other, that was color grading I did on the editing, because along with directing and lead writing, I also am the editor. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was a color grade I did over that to make it just a little more in and gothamy as well. Again, every every shot I really wanted to be as gothamy as possible. It was already a tungsten color, but dirtyish yellow is what I added over it. Uh, and what's great about it, and of course from a director's standpoint too, is it's such a far away shot. Thankfully, you know you just got the action going on down under, and you're like, okay, we don't got to worry about close up on the actors right now, <laughs> yeah. which is always nice. Um, uh, something I wanted to ask, uh, talking more about the uh, marketing, um, how do you uh, guys go around uh, marketing with with having something that is owned by you know Warner Brothers DC? Um, are there limitations of things that you can do? Obviously, you came up with your own Robin uh, R logo that's uh, a nod to an existing logo, but as far as uh, things that you can print and how you get word out there. Uh, do you run into places where you'll get somebody telling you, no, you can't do that, or are they pretty much uh, open with uh, the idea of you guys, you know, marketing? Like, I'm just wondering about limitations or, you know, problems you may have on that front. Yeah, I mean, one of the things is DC has actually really been pretty supportive of fan projects in the past. So we haven't actually had the issue, of course it is something we're always mindful of, but we actually haven't had the issue of DC actually, like, you know, a lot of the studios are, like there are the Star Trek rules and things like that that are coming out now. So we're not yeah. in a place where we're having to be that mindful of it, but we are having to actually be on the lookout of how to market our own thing. And that's one of the things, creating that logo and having that original content at that point we're marketing our logo, not theirs. So we right. aren't going against that copyright in that system. And it is a, it's one of those marketing campaigns where you actually have to look at how can we market what we're doing within this and not necessarily say, hey, guys, this is just about, like, Tim Drake and this is just about Robin, but show what we're doing with it. And it is, um, I mean, a progressive marketing. We are actually looking at our, our what we're doing and finding a way to showcase our actors and our story and what, you know, find the, the people, the fandom and find that love for it. And we're saying this is, you know, this is something new and original within that world that you already love and come check it out. And we aren't, it's not a money making opportunity for us. This is a non nonprofit um, project for us. So we're not looking to actually make money off of it. We can actually just build this fandom and this love for this character even more by doing this program. Awesome. Um, I, I had a question. One of the things I've, I've enjoyed um, so far in the series has been the music. And is that all original music? Uh, or And I was wondering if you could just uh, maybe talk about the music in the in the series a bit. So it's a, it's a mix. Um, the composer part part of the composing team, uh, well, a bit of the composing team, uh, is actually the team that is currently changing out as part of uh, the person who was on our cast prior to. Uh, half of the music is original, half of it's uh, actually what's really great, and for any of those people who are out there who are looking to make fan film series, what's really nice is YouTube, uh, they're all about making you know content, and they actually have a section that is dedicated to music and composition pieces, and I'll take bits of those and sample them and edit them together and put it together to kind of smooth out the episode a little bit more to a certain degree. Uh, but what's great about this, and sound in general, 
is when it starts where we have started with, I mean, you know, you, the trailer came up first. We, after we did the trailer, we're like, all right, time to do our prologue. After our prologue, we got our episode one done. And everything's kind of progressively stacking and stacking, and our crew's getting bigger and bigger. So we kind of have things that I'd like to call editorial placeholders, which is basically this idea of right now it's something that we can get our hands on. It's not precisely what we per- perfectly want it to be. It's good, but we want to make it all the time the most thematic to the writing, to the video, to what you're seeing. And it's just only stacking and getting better. So right now it's a bit of in a placeholding because we have new composers who are coming in for our next episode coming out. Uh, and ideally, when we go through the music, the best way for us to do it, especially for me as an editor, is a bit of a mix. I'll either take the scenes and separate them and go through with the composer and, and say, okay, well, this is the scene. It needs to represent this. It needs to have this idea on it. And I might say, I might get a little more descriptive and be like, okay, we might like need tighter strings on this or we need a little more percussion to kind of you know amp up what we're seeing. Things like that are going to go into the music. But of course, on top of that, that's not to include, say, the sound effects or any uh, vocal effects that we have on someone when they're talking, which can happen frequently. Uh, and, and also visually as well, it has to match. For example, the first scene you see in the episode one where Hatter is talking to a delusioned Maddie and we have a bit of sound editing there and, of course, video editing to try to match. And that kind of style is the perfect episode we're gearing towards and, you know, eventually getting those cast and crew to help make that a world we can live in. <laughs> Do you have any uh, problems out in the uh, street while you're filming that uh, sound bleed over? Uh, what's your, like... Uh, ADR type? Do you have to do a lot of extra punch-ins after the fact? Or are you able to capture most everything as far as audio goes uh, during the show? I While you're filming, rather. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. We're actually using an NTG2 Rode mic, uh, which is a great mic. Um, I actually did a uh, campaign for them about a year ago, uh, which was super fun. Really solid mic, and it does really good on wind. You don't really have too much of a wind issue. And I'm using a Tascam alongside that mm. uh, for any of those fans who are curious out there. Uh, Tascam Mark II, really, really great piece of equipment to have. Uh, so it cuts out most of the wind stuff. Granted, you have will have days that are worse than others. I personally, as a director, I really don't like to go back in ADR. Mm-hmm. I feel like it, it takes from the moment of the scene. So I try my best not to have to worry about that, which means that I have buffers that I like to use. The first one being editing buffers. Say, like, if there's a sequence where that does happen, and I do have a take where the person said it without any wind, and you've got to scour through, you know, almost what is, like, hours of work trying to figure out the perfect line of that dialogue. And then I'll just take a shot where you don't see their lips, see the back of the head, you see something else, and you try to play that over. If that doesn't work, I mean, God forbid that doesn't work, you try to find a way that could, you know, not have that bit of dialogue. Like, for example, we actually did have a bit of dialogue in scene seven where, um, uh... Stephanie Brown's character is taken by Hatter. And we had a bit of dialogue where he says, hello, Alice. And he, uh, he kind of has a bit of, you know, to put her in the front of the line because he's really happy with her. But honestly, the visuals told the story so well that I was okay taking out the dialogue because uh, when we had shot it, there was a guy with a boom box who was playing <laughs> box really loudly. And so I was left at a point where I was like, all right, I, I gotta, I gotta make a choice here. So I decided to go the full nine and, and cut the, cut the dialogue out, and it still told the story really well. But if, if worse comes to worse and those two things don't work, we take it to ADR. I really try to, to not take it to ADR because I really don't want to take out from the scene because I feel like what the actors put there on set or on location, it's just so much, especially with where we're filming. I mean, we try to make it as real as possible. Anyone who could walk, I mean, that's why we have cops because anyone who's there is like. Are you sure this is a scene, or are you actually robbing someone? <laughs> and we kind of do have the, like, you know, Wayne's World moments where we have to do the game off, game on kind of thing. When we were filming the warehouse scene with the Hatter, there was train tracks right there. Yeah. And so there would randomly be a train that would come by, and we would have to yell, game off, and, like, take a second and let the train pass by. And then we could I start love it. That's <laughs> how the moments are just there, and you, you can't control when the train's going to come into your set, sure. apparently. <laughs> Cool. I, I had a question for each of you, um, and that is a, a little bit uh, off topic of what we're talking about. But was there um, a a specific movie or show or something on the Internet that it, it first inspired you to want to be in film and television and acting and writing? Um, so basically just kind of what, what was there that one thing that just like inspired you or, or one kind of genre? Um, I've 
always kind of wanted to be a filmmaker and an actress to some degree, but I don't know that I thought it was really a possibility until I got into the guild. And uh, Felicia Day is, she's just amazing. She's so amazing. She started that show on such a low budget. And I love just the story behind it, the fact that she started that show with uh, with friends and she started writing from what she knew and she started it because she was getting turned down for a lot of jobs. And she was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to do my own thing. And uh, that show started off with like no budget. And their last episode, they had Stan Lee make a cameo. And it's huge. <laughs> her career. She's been on Supernatural. She's, of course, you know, the face of Geek and Sundry. She's all over everything. And she's she's amazing and talented. And, and Felicia Day and her writing in the Guild definitely inspired me uh not only to be a filmmaker, but to believe that I could be a filmmaker with the budget and uh, and all of the you know things I have available to me right now. I would be on the 100% opposite end of the budget spectrum. I actually think The Wizard of Oz is the first thing that ever inspired me to do anything as a kid. Um, that movie, of course, is beautiful and incredibly well made. And to think of when they made it, the time frame that they were making it in, to just go out there and they changed, I mean, they brought in color. They brought in these huge sets and this elaborate thing. And I mean, that movie still holds up. You can still watch it, and it's still a beautiful work of art. And I think for me, that's what first got me into everything. It got me into writing. I thought the storytelling aspect of it was so beautiful, and I got into acting. That was the first production that I really wanted to, to be in as a kid, and I worked really hard uh, to, to get a part in The Wizard of Oz in middle school. Um, and just everything. I wanted to make something that beautiful at some point and to just give the same hope and, you know, aspirations to other kids. Like, this is something that, as a child, really changed the way I looked at the world, and I want to be able to do that for other children and other teens and just tell them, like, hey, this is your goal. You can go out there and reach it someday. Cool. Did you did you want to be the good witch or the bad witch? Or I Darcy? always, <laughs> always want to be the villain. Yeah. <laughs> It is 100% hands down. If you have the choice to be the villain, you be the villain. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you been on the uh, great movie ride in Disney World with the Wizard of Oz scene? Several, several, several dozens of times. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I was just there, and a, a little kid just completely lost it when the witch came on. Just was <laughs> in terror, like nothing you couldn't believe. So, yeah, it's always fun to be the villain. That that was always one of those for me. I I was always scared by the villain, but I wanted to know why I was scared by the villain, so I'm like, I'm just going to stay. I'm just going to stay. I'm not going to close my eyes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I, uh, as far as mine goes, I, strangely enough, and it's really weird, <laughs> so filmmaking and all of it, I mean, just, just art in general, uh, something that's always been really important for me is defining things. And when I was living in Deer Park, uh, which is a not fun place in Texas over by Houston, uh, I was in fourth grade, I was riding a bus, I was, I was real young, and I remember thinking to myself, like, damn, what can I, like, what's valuable, like, what matters, like, definitively? And for some reason, the answer always made sense, like, storytelling. Storytelling is, like, it's the only thing that really has this, like, value to it. And it's strange enough, because, like, it was a simple answer at the time, and since then, uh, storytelling and, like, filmmaking and all that has only progressed into crazier and bigger things in my life that I thoroughly love and enjoy and I'm super happy to be doing. Uh, and it was only recently that I, I remembered, I was like, man, when I was a kid, like, that was that was the first thing that really mattered to me. And I'm still, like, that's still all I really, like, Absolutely. see as, as important. And I think that, like, that that idea is only reassured to me by what we've been doing here at Hood Robin, actually. It's like, storytelling changes things. It's huge. I mean, people get to think in a different way, see a new perspective, understand something in a whole inspired. different light, be inspired in so many ways. Uh, and so the same reason that I'm fueled now is the same reason I was fueled then, which is storytelling matters. Very good. And that's awesome. It's probably one of the oldest things, too. But, you know, go back thousands and thousands of years ago, and there's people sitting around a fire telling stories. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Socializing. It's a social world, and you got to learn to live within it and see what the rules are and so forth. Cool. Now, we would love to keep you for the next few hours and yeah. keep talking, Robin, because we could go on and on and on. Uh, but we don't want to do that to you. But I, I did want to um, mention to everybody your GoFundMe page. Um, the um, And I'm a teacher and I'm off for this summer, so I'm waiting for that first paycheck uh, to come up. To, but I'll be uh, making some uh 
contributions here, but um, if you go to GoFundMe.com slash Robin the Web Series, uh, you'll see, and there's um, different categories from you can give as little as five dollars and be a vigilante um, and get a decal, ten dollars sidekick, all, all the way up to um, becoming um, is it an executive producer on the show here uh, or associate producer. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so definitely um, everybody go out and um, check check that out and give a little bit so this series can continue and we can see it um because uh, i want to um see see this more and more and hopefully you guys can come back on either maybe just to talk tim drake or give us an update uh but before we go is there anything that you guys wanted to say or mention or or tell everybody yeah um first off thank you so much for uh everything yeah, our GoFundMe you and having us and contributing later awesome thank you so much that's always great to hear we're glad people are out there enjoying it we've gotten some great feedback and Honestly, I mean, you know, more episodes are coming out, and we got so much that we are working on right now oh that we are very excited to show you guys and show everyone out there. So we definitely are looking to be coming back and talking about some developments, which I know you guys are going to be very curious about. <laughs> yeah. We got we got some interesting stuff happening in our story. We may have to send you guys some teaser images. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. So if you guys can come on tomorrow, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's been a while since uh, I've seen... Um, and I always feel bad saying fan made because sometimes that gets like, oh, it's a fan made. It's probably not good quality. You know, all that's sometimes those bad connotations that go with it. Like right from the get go, I was like, you can tell that this is these are people that care about not only the universe or whatever, but they care about what they do. They're professional at what they do, and it's good quality entertainment that you know you could share with anybody and instantly. Seeing Robin, Batman, or whomever's in this universe is great, but at the end of the day, it's the storytelling that kept me captivated and watching and going, when's the next episode? When's the next episode? And it just happens to have our favorite superhero in it, and that makes it even better. Hey, that's, that's the best compliment we could possibly get. Absolutely. Space Live Part 2. Yeah. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. <laughs> yeah. So good, you're not even going to be able to handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right from the first episode when uh, Tim was talking in school and he said Ives, and I ha- I'm like, he didn't just say Ives, did he? Did he say Ives? And yeah. like, I had to stop it and go back. I'm like, he said Ives. These are some some true fans here, that because that, that's like right out of the first couple issues of the the Dixon run. So that was awesome. I'm I'm glad you said that because I, I I wanted to bring that up. I was like, they just mentioned Ives. That is so <laughs> so entirely cool. And then in the credits, he's I think Sebastian Ives. I'm like, I didn't even know it was Sebastian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Yeah, there's there's some great stuff, and we're uh, we're actually have quite a bit of moments coming up like that that we're hoping. We're, every time we get a chance, there's a space, and we'll especially when we're doing our writer thing and in our little room over here, uh, we'll have a moment where like this is a perfect time to plug this little bit in that someone out there is gonna be like, oh, that's yes. from the, or they're referencing this thing, like, and that's great. So I love that. It's definitely very clear that it's written by comic book fans for yeah. people that are going to appreciate something that's from the comics. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you very, very much uh, for coming on to the show, you guys. Uh, to steal a line from Kevin Smith, you guys are doing the Lord's work with the, the Robin, with the Robin character, and you're treating it with uh, such reverence. And you know, Stephanie Brown and Ives and everybody that's in it. And it looks like we may get a shot of a red bird before too long. Which I thought they got a Robin car. I need a Robin car. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. Oh yeah. So, if anybody wants to get a hold of you out there, uh, where can people get a, a hold of you? If you want to plug your uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh, all those things, really quick for the people out there. Yeah. So for Facebook and Instagram, both you can find us at Robin the Web Series. On Twitter, we are actually Robin Web Series. And if people would like to check out the show, the best thing they can do is go on YouTube, and we are Purple Bat Productions is our YouTube channel. So they can find us on there. You can also search Bob in the web series, and of course, we'll come up on your YouTube that way. But subscribing to Purple Bat is how you're going to get the easiest way to get the episodes when they come up. And my social security number. <laughs> <laughs> and my bank account. <laughs> well, again, thank you very much uh, for stopping by, and we would love to have you again. And uh, anytime you want to stop by and give us a, a little taste, a little preview, we would love to have you guys on. 
So yeah. on the behalf of Terrence, this is Rob Myers, and this has been the BatmanUniverse.net, and you've been listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake Comic Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all related Batman characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for your entertainment purposes. There is no money exchanging hands at any time for any reason. I can't even find a quarter underneath my keyboard. So no infringement is intended by the show. This also applies to all music and sound clips as well. So there should be no need for you to send Lex Luthor's lawyers after us. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. You can now get a hold of the show in a few different ways now. The most recent is on Twitter. We are at ELTD Podcast. You can also now get a hold of us via email. It only took me two years to get one. So if you want to email in, you can do so at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And we are also on YouTube. In the search engine in YouTube, just type in Robin, everyone loves the Drake, and it'll take you to our YouTube page. And as always, you can message directly over at the Batman Universe website. So email, tweet, message us. We'd love to hear from you, and we will read your comments on the air. The show that you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes, Windows Media, and over at our host site, The Batman Universe. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It will help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We will see you in a few weeks. Take care.